Thank you for joining Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we're faithful, we're bold, we believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. The Bible said that this is the day that the Lord has made, and we can rejoice and be glad in it. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online service of the Cornerstone of Grace. And you know, if you're looking for church home growth ministry, I want to invite you to join us and grow with us. Be blessed with us. All right, we're going to go on into the word of God right after a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your kindness. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for waking us up this morning, giving us an opportunity to see this day that wasn't promised. Lord God, thank you for blessing us to with a reasonable portion of health. Lord, most of all that our minds are stirred, our hearts are, are fixed to seek after you, that we might find you. Lord, we're feeling for you. We're looking for you. We're searching for you. We're chasing after you, Lord God. Lord, thank you. Lord, we just want to honor you, Lord, for who you are. Honor you for what you have done. You're sovereign in our lives. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your kindness. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the blessings that are to come, Lord. And we know that you are our protector and our, our greatest reward. Lord, we thank you, Lord God. And since you would bless those that are, that are listening now and those that are tuning in later, Lord Jesus, uh, you know the need of each individual. You know the need of everyone. Lord God, and I pray that you would meet their needs according to thy will, thy riches and glory. Lord God, we'll be careful to give you name to praise and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're in the book of Genesis. And we'll be in the book of Genesis until we are not. We're touching what is referred to as the law of particularization, moving from the general to the particular, the universal earth, man, and spirit. Um, we're touching the creation and the principal person who is the cosmological, the cause of all things, and the teleological, the designing mind behind everything. There's nothing that is made that was not made by him. Everything 
was made by him and for his pleasure. Uh, no matter what we might think of it, no matter how we might view it, it was yet made by him. All things was made by him. And, and so you'll find that from Genesis to Revelation. You know, I want to remind you of Genesis 15 and 1, uh, because it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And, and so God reminds Abram, uh, not just here, but in other places. He told him uh, when he first called him that I will curse those that curse you and I will bless those that bless you. And, and so uh, God has been with Abram, Abram, who is now called Abraham, and ministering to him for years. Yes, for years. Uh, God ministered to him for a while. And, and let, so let's, let's look at the 18th chapter, beginning at the ninth verse. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which is was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I, after I'm waxed old, I have pleasure. Well, I, I'm going to have some pleasure and uh, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I have a, a surety, a bare son, which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I, I, I laugh not, for she was afraid, and said, Nay, but thou didst. He said, Nay, you did. You did laugh. And the men rose from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. Now, the gospel is simple. It's not complicated. And so, again, we're simply talking about the Bible. We're talking about the word of God. And the scripture says, Sarah laughed at God. Have you laughed at God? Now, earlier we, we read the word of God and we saw that Abram or Abraham, he he fell down laughing. He was really, he was like, wow, you know. He also, his response was the same as Sarah's. 
And, and so we, we see two individuals that have now uh, looked at the situation. They looked at their lifestyle. They looked at what had gone on with them and Sarah's an age and, and she laughed. The Lord knew or Abram knew the Lord. And so he tells them, the Lord tells them, I'm going to reverse the time of your physical ability. And Sarah thought that was funny. She thought that was hilarious. She's looking at her, her inability. And maybe you've looked at your inability. You might have looked at your age. You know, that is a factor that we pay attention to. And we, uh, we don't want to be discriminated against because of our age or no matter how young you are, how old you are, you know, um, those things are considered. And certainly in this situation where we're talking about having a child um, that she's looking at her physical condition, she know her body has gone through changes just as you your body is, is going through changes even now while we speak. When you wake up tomorrow, you won't be the same um, as you were yesterday or even today. There's going to be some changes, some subtle changes about you. It all don't happen at once, but change occurs. And, and so the Lord, Abraham knew him. He said, I'm going to reverse the time of your physical ability. And Sarah thought it was funny. Her experience with God, as far as we know, was not the same as Abraham. No. And I think we've, we've done a form of, injust, of injustice. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, it, it's a mistake to place the burden of our calling upon our spouse. And we've done that through the years. I've seen it in church and I've seen it, you know, um, I've heard about it. We often question it, but not open or publicly question it. But as I got older and more involved in ministry, I have expressed concerns about it, even as I'm mentioning it now. Uh, it's a mistake to place the same burden of your calling upon your spouse. Now, God called you. He called you. And he dealt with you. And he holds you accountable for the treasures, uh, not your spouse. Not your spouse. Sarah laughed. But Sarah, accountability as far as what uh, what she believed and what she dealt with is certainly different than Abram or Abraham's. Now, over the years, I've seen uh, wives of ministers and someone goes into ministry, especially in, into pastoralship, and their wife is issued of some form of license to teach or, or something of that along that line because her husband is called into ministry. That don't mean that she's a minister. He was called and vice versa. 
it, it may be the wife that is called. That yes, God has no respect of person. There's neither male nor female in him. When it comes to God using uh, female, it is just as value and official as him using a male. Now, some may disagree with that. I'm not here to argue that. I'm just making a point that he used the ass. He used the chicken. And he can use a man and he can use or he can use a woman. Um, a woman carried the word before a man did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Read your Bible. Read your Bible uh, that a woman carried the word uh, before the man did. And so go on and read your Bible, uh, Bible students, and, and see for yourself what I'm saying. I'm just going to leave that open for you to dig into. And, and so, and we do find women involved in ministry through the Old Testament as well. And, and so, but it's one thing to be involved in ministry because you've been called, you've been selected, many are called, few are chosen. Uh, compared to you um, just being issued a license because of your spouse, male or female. Now, I don't recall the husband receiving anything over the years when a, a, a sister may have gone forth and recognized a calling into ministry. Now, I don't recall the husband being licensed in any kind of way, uh, but Truth is, if there's not a calling on the on the life of a man or a woman, they should not receive license. But training, they should retrieve training. And I don't think we receive enough training uh, when it comes even to ministry. And so, um, it, and when you accept the call in ministry, there is, uh, there is a reason for you to study to show yourself approved. And I don't mean when I, when I say study, I'm not talking about quoting scriptures, you know, I'm talking about really um, being taught. Now the Bible talks about the sons of uh, schools of the prophets. If you recall Elijah and Elisha and Elijah, um, there was school of the prophets and we uh, should not forget that there is schools and training that need to be done even today. And so um, in October, we have a leadership conference and we have seminars, but still that's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, there is a proper training that needs to occur. And the training need to be taken as seriously as we do with our vocational training um, uh, for our jobs, our employment. And certainly for, as for, um, for academic, because it is an academic uh, study as well. And so training on the responsibility of one uh, called and how to help them in their calling. So if you're married and you're called into ministry, your spouse need to be trained on how to help you in ministry. And, and so uh, I think that's appropriate um, and need to be taught well. And we assume too much that we already know. 
or we assume that we know we really don't know as much as we could and it's it's a process ministry is not something that you just get involved in and and we see this here even in genesis where the lord called abraham in this 11th chapter and and, and tells him to get out the land of, of where he is uh, to come out from among them you know and whatever uh, idioms that God used to get his attention and to draw him out to the place where he wanted him to be as he ministered to him. And so some ministries have fallen short in this area of teaching. Uh, certainly, um, there's a specific area here uh, in Ephesians 5 and 25 where it says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But too often have I heard uh, men tell their wives, you're here to obey me, we hear it on TV and all, but I never hear them quote this 25th verse, husbands, love your wives, as even as Christ loved the church. Now, what does that mean? It's nothing, let's not spiritualize this before we naturalize it. Love your wife. That's something natural. You ought to love her like you did when you when you met her. You ought to hold her hand. You ought to still kiss her. Uh, yes, and at, as passionately as you did when you was when you was trying to get her. And so you know, and as Christ loved the church, how much did he love the church? Uh, he loved it enough to stand by the church. He loved the church enough to uh, to talk to the church. He loved the church enough to explain things. He loved the church enough to show signs and wonders. He loved the church enough to uh, to visit in dreams. You know, I, I like to refer to it as pillow talk. You know, where you are in communion with God. And he and you have dreams and visions. Matter of fact, he said, in the last days, I pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, dream dreams. Your old man shall uh, is going to dream dreams, is going to have visions, your man and stuff. And so uh, God is interested in the, re but our relationship with our wife should mirror that as well. And our relationship for those that are married and if you're dating, uh, if you're dating, then you need to um, also think of what I'm saying. And it said he gave he gave himself for it. He gave himself for the church. He sacrificed himself. That was a physical sacrifice that was made. And, and so um, when we do that, hopefully, um, you know, certainly we we don't look for anyone to get in between the relationship, but to reciprocate uh, just the very thing that is being done. And that is loving your spouse, loving the one that you um, even want to marry or engage to in such a way that it continues. Not it, it doesn't stop after you cross the um, uh after the marriage and you cross over into the home, but it, it remains in a certain place. And so Christ gave himself for the church. Now, 
Evangelist Vina Royston, and that is my sister, and the Lord is blessed, and she's been, she's evangelizing in Northern California, in the Hayward and the Bay Area there, and she focuses on battered women. She focuses on battered women, and we often, we talk about this because there is battered, uh, there is abuse of women, men, and teens in the church. Uh, and, and so we talk about it because it exists. It doesn't just exist there, it exists in schools. It exists in homes. It exists in organizations and institutions. It exists all over the place where people are battered because people have spirits that they've encountered and that spirit has rubbed off on them and now they're walking around bound by that spirit and they display it and they, they hurt other people. And it's, that's not good. It's not cool for a woman to be abused. It's not good for a man to be abused or a child of any age. And, and so she uh, deals with that. And so we'll have more on that as far as the event that is coming up um, in the next couple of months as they prepare for a meeting uh, in the Bay Area to deal with this particular matter, and that is battered women, men, and teens. In our study of Genesis, we've read about some abusive situations. Now, in the 16th chapter, uh, the Bible said, now Sarah's uh, Abram's wife bare him no children, and she had a handmaid. Now, first off, she's full of anxiety. She's frustrated, uh, and you've been frustrated before, so you can understand and know that when you hope for something and then it doesn't happen immediately, um, and until it happens, you're dealing with that. It could be the growth in ministry. It could be a, on the job. It could be a number of things. It could be even in the relationship that you're hoping for something as she was hoping for, and it wasn't happening. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I haven't had a child yet. And she's talking about how God has not opened her womb. Uh, God has not made a way. He has not done what, they, what she's been hoping for, what she's been praying for. And she's acknowledging that. And so um, and so she tells him, this is her plan. Uh, I, I pray thee go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So there's 10 years that have passed by. So that's 10 years of them being out from among their family. They left home at 75, Sarah being 65. And now they've been away and 10 years went by and, and she has not had a child. It's not because they hadn't been trying, but it didn't happen. And so now they're Hagar and Abram, the Hagar, the, the servant unto Sarah, they're married and she conceived, she gets pregnant. 
And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So Hagar had some, some things going on with her too. And Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon thee, and, and I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. And the Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Okay, here we go. Now, this is a triangle, not a love triangle, but it's a triangle. Do to her as it pleased thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, and this is where we're talking about abuse, you know, and frustration. Sarah is a frustrated woman. And now she is taking that frustration out on her maid who came up pregnant. That was the plan. It was her plan. And so she dealt with her harshly. And what does that mean? She dealt with her heart hardly. You know, she was not nice to her. And Hagar ran. Now, there are many types of abuse. There's emotional abuse, mental, physical, financial, sexual, material, discriminatory, organizational, institutional abuse, you know, the neglect and bullying, all, all happening around us, hidden in many times until all of a sudden uh, we see things falling apart in the relationship. We see things falling apart in the organization. We see things falling apart. You know, someone's having a meltdown. Someone's doing, acting out of character, doing something that you wouldn't expect them to do because of abuse, because of some form of abuse. But we can uh, move away from that if we love. Now, the Bible tells us in, uh, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, it said, love your brother as you love yourself, love your neighbor. And, and so we should not take that and exclude family. Certainly not exclude our, our spouses, but even as we love ourselves. But if we don't know how to love ourselves, then we certainly have some issues that really need to be addressed before we get into a relationship. So I, I encourage counseling. And when I say counseling, I'm talking about going to a real marriage counselor. Now, after you've gone to a real marriage counselor, uh, then come see me. Then go to your pastor. Uh, you know, and you will learn some things about yourself and you will learn some things about the person that you are engaged to uh, through the process of the marriage counseling. It doesn't take them two or three weeks either. It's about two or three days of two or three visits and you will learn quite a bit. Now, I know we're not here to talk about abuse, at least that not the thing, but Sarah was in a certain place. Sarah was in a certain mindset now. And so, uh, uh, and she did not understand. She didn't understand what was being said. She couldn't comprehend the words in that moment. And sometimes we hear it, but it did not register. We heard the words, we heard what was said, but it didn't register. It may take a little while, it may take a little more 
before we come around to the place of really hearing, receiving, and accepting it. Now, the ninth verse says, they said that they said, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. Now, they, this does not indicate three talking heads. Um, you know, I've seen movies where they show three aliens where they're all in agreement. They all got the same um, uh, body movement and talking and stuff. No, this is not that. We're not talking about some three-headed dragon, three-headed person or anything like that. Uh, but it was a mere question that was being asked. And that is, where is Sarah, your wife? Where is she at? And not that God didn't know where she, she was. Now, remember, this is the visitation here is God and two angels. All right. Now, these, these angels did not come with wings. Uh, God did not come. No one rolled out a red carpet or anything. Matter of fact, his feet was dirty. Okay. From walking in the dust. And Abram ran out, met them and offered water to clean their feet. That was a form of hospitality. You know, and so we need to um, think about our hospitality as well. And he made food for them. And they ate the food. They had uh, barbecue. Mm -hmm. They had barbecue. They had, uh, now, when I was growing up, my mother used to make what we called a whole cake. And somebody might know what that is. But um, that's where they made... Um, it made bread and sometimes they made it on top of the stove and it don't take long to cook this stuff. And so they, they sat down, they had that, they had butter, they had milk. They was, they was chowing down. And when they finished, then they got up to go on about their business to do what they were going to do. But, and, and this question, uh, we're not to read anything into it or extract anything out of it to try to, make a meaning out of it. No, it was God talking and asking a question to Abram, where's your wife at? And the two angels that was with him were curious too. Uh, curious to the question, what was next? All right. The 10th verse says, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, recall that the Lord had been preaching, exhorting, and, and talking to Abram about future and children. You're going to have a lot of children, Abraham. You're going to have a lot of children. And he's been telling them that for years now. Even made him a promise. Now, God had to deal with him. He had to deal with him. He had to prepare his heart. And in ministry, our hearts are being prepared. We're being constantly told. We're being, as the Lord leads the minister to, to reemphasize certain things. And we may not see anything happen immediately. Even though we were told it's going to happen. Um, but it doesn't happen immediately. And so we begin to question. We begin to think about it, what was going on here. 
And, and I know there are many ministers out there that, that, ask, that ask the same questions. I know if you're just being real with yourself, you ask questions, what's going on? And, and so you continue on being faithful unto the Lord. And now the Lord has preached to Abraham. He's exhorted the word to him. He's talked to him uh, for years uh, out of necessity. He needed all this time to mature and come to a certain place. And that's why the Lord spoke to him and, and said, uh, walk before me and be perfect. You know, stop the shenanigans. Uh, you've reached a certain area, a certain level of maturity now where I have an expectation and I'm telling you to, to cut it out and to meet my expectations. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing the, the message and the message comes through the preaching of Christ. Now, I know that's a different version than what I'm from King James, but listen, Abraham and Sarah both required their faith to evolve. They needed their faith to grow. And they needed it, you know, the word of God comes in it waters. Uh, the word is like water and it waters us where our faith grows, our faith changes, it progresses. And, and so do all of us, those that receive it and, and accept it. Now, Romans 1 and 17 reminds us for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That is, as it is written, the just shall live by their faith. And so whether you see it, whether you hear it or not, uh, the Bible says that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so our faith is based upon our hope. Now, if we don't have hope, then we don't have faith. Yes, you're not going to have faith and you have no hope. But you're hoping for it to happen. And so because you're hoping for it, then you believe, uh, you know, even when when the belief is challenged. And sometimes our patience, uh, the time element challenges our faith. And, and that's Sarah was challenged. And in her being challenged, she said, uh, now the 11th verse says, now Abraham and Sarah were old and was well stricken in age. So time has has now moved on. And they're up in age and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah has, her body has changed and ladies, you know exactly what that means. Um, as you change, things occur. Uh, the drive uh, starts to diminish the, the fact that, uh, how do I say this? Well, the drive, let's just stick with the drive. But the sex drive start to start to go away, and maybe it's not as often as it was. You know, when you first, when you're younger and you first marry, you like badgers. You're just going at it, little bunny rabbits, and you know whether you're at it to produce children or just to enjoy the pleasures that God has given. But you just you're going at it. But now things have slowed down. Twelfth verse. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord also being old, Abraham, she's acknowledging her husband. Uh, my baby is old. He's older. And um, all of this time from the time that that he got uh, Hagar pregnant 
up to this time, we still haven't had a child and we're of an age now. And so she is really having a moment and her moment is no different than your moment. Her moment is no different than, you know, we hear a lot of great testimony sometime on records and, you know, and, and uh, I, I heard one, uh, one song singer say, you know, the, I heard the Lord tell me to move. And when I got there, everything was mapped out for me. You know, it's like they walked, they moved from New York to Atlanta. When they got to Atlanta, uh, they already had a, a, a home to walk into. There was a key sticking out the door with their attack, with their name on it. You know, they walked into a fully furnished place and there was, you know, a, a check or some cash sitting on the counter that waiting on them. And people don't really tell you the struggle that they deal with. Your faith need therapy. That's why the Bible tells us faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, Abram, um, Sarah Lab, she's trying to figure this thing out and she's dealing with it the best as she could. And the Lord speaks in and says, now, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we it's easy to quote that is we know nothing is too hard for him. But at the same time, we say. It's not easy for him to do it for me. It's not easy for him to do it for us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to me because you can't talk for no one else. Let's just say me. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, he's God. He's sovereign. It's easy for us to say that. But then when we think about ourselves, it's, he's, it's not too hard for him to do it, but will he do it for me? And this is where Sarah's at. Sarah is now... Uh, she's dealing with the fact that she has been waiting all this time and nothing has happened. And now she's reached a point in her physical being that, that it doesn't happen usually in this time in her life. And God says at the time appointed, I'm going to return unto you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. This has always been his intention. And this is why when they were in Egypt, the Lord uh, closed and afflicted Pharaoh. And when they went other places, God afflicted the man in that place. And because he didn't want anyone to spoil what he had plans of. The Bible says, then Sarah denied, saying, I, I laugh not, for she was afraid. She was afraid, and so she didn't want to confess that that she was tripping, that she was having a moment, and said no. But but God said yes, you did. He he didn't let her get away with that. Neither is he allowing us to get away with it either. We're accountable. He's holding us to be accountable, whether we knew it or not. We're accountable. Faith is something that God looks for. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible, there's a particular scripture that says, when he comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find, will God find us? Will he find you being faithful, believing of what he said? One, uh, do you believe that he is going to come back for you? Whether you are 
walking down the street or resting? Do you believe that he's going to come back for you? Do you believe that he is capable of doing all that he said he can do and that he will do it for you? Then Sarah laughed, saying, I didn't laugh. Sarah's dealing with mixed emotions here. There's fear. There's uncertainty. There's, oh, no, I got caught. And I wasn't aware that I got caught until it was brought to my attention. Uh, she thought she had hit that thing. What about you this evening? The Bible goes on to say, and then the man rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. God has stopped. He's, he said what he had to say. He's dealing with them according to their faith. He's dealing with them according to how he or how he needs to minister to them. Now, this is important because ministers, we need to know how to minister to individuals. We need to know how to minister to people. Uh, if you have children, you know your children are not alike. They're different. My oldest son is, is much different than the younger, his brother, who is different than his sister, who is different because there's four of them, two girls, two boys there. They're different. And, and so I had to know and understand how to deal with each of them through the years and still learning some things as well. Now there's two grandsons in the picture and uh, they're in their teens and the other one is, is getting there. He think he's a teenager, but he's not. Um, but knowing how to deal with them because they're different and knowing how to minister to them, knowing how to be a listening ear and what to say, when to say it, how to say it makes a difference because we're all not the same. Now, we preach a message on Sunday and that message is a blanket to cover everybody and whether they need it at that moment or they need it uh, the next day. Then there is the teaching, the same thing as we teach. Uh, it, they may not need it in that moment, but they'll need it later. But how do we teach it? How do we preach it? How do we present it so that it can be utilized by them? And so God has dealt with Abraham. He's dealt with Sarah. And now they're coming to a place. They're in a place where it seems impossible. By all natural circumstances, it is impossible, but not with God. Your situation might seem impossible. I know that I have felt that sometime it, it seems impossible. I'm like, Lord, what is going to happen? When and how, you know, you start to ask these things as Abraham did. Because uh, he asked the Lord before, you know, how will I know? And so those same questions cross our mind, too. Let's be real. They cross our mind. We want to know. You know, especially when you're, when you're putting yourself all into it. You're doing everything that you know to do, and you're looking for the fruit of your labor. Well, the Bible said we'll reap in due season if we don't faint. We'll reap in due season if we don't faint. Now, when that due season 
is going to come around. God has control of that. Our responsibility is to keep working and not and don't faint. Don't stop in the process. And keep going at it. And let's wait for God to do what he's going to do here. He's going to turn back. He's going to reset their biological clocks and something is going to happen. And so as Sarah said, and I laugh when I, when I read it, cause Sarah said, shall I have pleasure? And she's, you know, she's looking at the fact that of her physical condition, uh, pleasure and having a son for my, uh, for my, my husband, Pleasure in the fact that we're going to have a baby, not just in the thought of having the baby, but the pleasure that they had uh, before they got older and the body started to change. And that's a pleasure, too. You understand what I'm saying? And so they're going to have a, a magnificent night of romance and a child is going to be born out of that. Let's continue to seek the Lord. Let's continue to be faithful unto him. Even in your moment of madness, like Sarah's moment of madness, where she laughed at God, Abram moment of madness, where he fell down laughing, how should this be? I'm older now and all of these different things. We all can think of excuses and reasons why or how it cannot and will not or maybe shouldn't happen because, but I think we need to sit down and rethink it of how it can happen, why it can happen. Who can cause it to happen when no one else can? Nobody but the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you, Lord, for your word this evening, and this short exhortation. Lord, I ask that you would bless your people, Lord God. Bless each one of the sound of my voice as they have taken out of their busy schedules, their time to, to hear your word. I pray and ask that you would bless them, Lord Jesus, to hold on to it, to embrace it. Lord God, as you manifest your word in their lives, Lord God, thank you. I pray that your peace be upon them, wherever they are, whatever they're dealing with, Lord God, you know how to comfort each individual. You know the exact words, the song that is needed to encourage their hearts, Lord. I pray that you would manifest those things in Jesus' name. Lord, continue to bless us, Lord, and we'll give you the glory and honor. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost rest, rule, and abide henceforth now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.